2: Welcome back. It is me, your managing editor, Nick Hausman, and it is Thursday, the final Winkly of the week. And when I want to wrap the wink up, there's only one man I want to do it with. It's Justin LeBar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkley.
0: TgIt.
2: Yeah, TgIt. I love I love the Tuesday through Thursday Winkley week. It's great. It's jam packed. Um, and we got a lot to get here to, to today. Of course, it is Thursday, uh, February 7th, 2019, and that means that the AEW Pool Party ticket. launch announced party for double or nothing goes on uh tonight in las vegas uh just a reminder we will have our own joey g on site the our own poly shore uh there at the pool party covering all the activities he'll be there about an hour before the live stream starts uh so if you want to go over to our twitter accounts our facebook accounts uh wrestling inc you will be able to uh, follow along with joey and see uh, all the great coverage that he is doing there and speaking of the aew pool party We've got somebody on the show here today that is going to be a part of that pool party here later tonight, and that is Conrad Thompson. Conrad and I, uh, we haven't caught up in quite some time, and we get to sit down and dig in to his relationship with Tony Khan. I did not know Conrad and Tony were as close as they were uh, or are and have been for years. Um, and kind of the weird middleman role Conrad may have played and the launch of AEW. So, I really like this interview. I think you guys will like it a lot. It'll come up here later on the show. Of course, uh, it's already been a jam-packed week. We had Tom Otonga on Tuesday, Jeff Jarrett on Wednesday. Go back, find all the Winkley episodes from this week. And uh, also on today's show, we're going to have the return of the Views from the Turnbuckle audio edition with Jesse Collings and I. Jesse and I, uh, after the Conrad interview, are going to be going in-depth about all things Dean Ambrose. All the speculation, the questions around what his departure from WWE could mean that's it all right all my top spiel out of the way let's get to the news justin uh fox entertainment ceo charlie collier um was out at the television critics association press tour and confirmed that smackdown will air live on fox when it airs uh coming up here in october that's good but he also said that smackdown could be on fridays for the short term what do you take of that
0: Well, I I take it exactly what he said, which is uh, they obviously in their high power TV executive strategic uh, know all uh, have some thought or belief that perhaps Friday is not the best place for it long term. Or at least they are prepared to study whatever data they're going to study for a time period while it is on Fridays. And they might say, okay, uh, we could really use this audience because they know they're getting a, a great audience. They know that WWE is you know, a very good, consistent audience, despite, you know, despite the ratings being lower than what they once were in the wrestling world, it's still a good audience to consistently have. Yeah. So they know they're going to get a good audience. So then it might just be a matter of, I mean, Hey, they might say, Hey, look, you know, our, you know, our Tuesdays are lacking. We need to get it on, we need to move it back over to Tuesday where it used to be for previous networks. So they might say, Hey, you know, our Wednesday, you know, and so they're going to do what they want to do with it. The, the, the dangerous and scary part for the WWE side of things, most notably that the crew is just the logistics of that. Um, so, yeah, but that's that just that, that that's them basically saying, hey, look, you know, it, it's not married to Friday. We're going to put it wherever wherever it's it's uh, it's star power fits.
2: Yeah, I was uh, reading the Observer newsletter this morning. The new one dropped. I know Dave was talking about how uh, the USA folks are debate or the Fox people are debating whether or not to air Smackdown Live on a replay on the West Coast, where it would be on like a two hour delay, which is more true, which would be, you know, better for the radians. But they look at wrestling as a sport. Right, And they see sports as being broadcast live, and that's a priority to them. So I could see that time slot. Maybe maybe this is an experiment for them. Maybe they move it somewhere else. But for me, I can't help but think in the back of my mind. you know, And this guy also said um, that there could be some other wrestling, not SmackDown or Raw, but other wrestling shows, maybe NXT, maybe talking head shows on other platforms, FS1. He confirmed that as well. But for me, when you say SmackDown could be on Fridays for the short, short term, Isn't the the crosshairs you're trying to follow right now what deal AEW is going to get? Because if these guys come out and they they announce first, okay, well, we're going to go to Tuesday nights on TNT. Okay, great. Well, now it's out there that Fox is willing to move this around. Maybe that's why. I I mean, maybe I'm looking too much into this, but maybe there's something to the idea that they're holding back on keeping it maybe on Fridays as as a bullet in their gun for a way to counter AEW if they make a, a strong foothold, you know?
0: Maybe um, you know I, I don't know, and I guess we don't know how in tune to the wrestling market these Fox executives are. Meaning, you know, how much are they at all aware of, of AEW? Are or, 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 you know, are and how much of this, you know, um, inevitable competition that's coming. You know how much they. I guess it's a matter of how how legit they think it is. I mean, now once AEW starts wherever it starts, and if it right. is on Tuesday night, like 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 we are, you know, speculating because of the trademarks, um, then I'm sure, you know, Fox will keep an eye on AEW on whatever network they land on, and we'll take a look at what their numbers are, and and that'll then deem okay if it's something that's worth, um, you know, if it's something that's worth, you know, putting you know making part of your of your strategy and where you put it. So I mean, I mean if. I don't know if you're Fox, though. I don't know if um, if you already have SmackDown on Friday, and and this AEW thing pops up and they're on Tuesday somewhere else, and they're and they're doing well. I mean, I don't know why you. I mean, that would that would be that would be a pretty bold move, and not not to say Fox and or Vince McMahon aren't bold bold people, but that'd be a pretty bold move to then purposely move the show back to Tuesday just to go ahead
2: and and that's the thing is we know what we know is you make a very good point we know what we know as wrestling people right we look at this story from the perspective of what we know as wrestling people what we know about trademarks all of that these television people know what they know as television people and I can't think that if AEW is out there meeting with one two you know at least two legitimate outlets I guess according to Meltzer in the, the newsletter right but big big outlets the TV people have to talk to each other too now and start getting a lay of the land of, of what is happening here with the value of pro wrestling kind of changing a bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, from, uh, from all things we can tell, it certainly does sound like that, you know, if, if Fox does want a little bit more of a, um, uh, a sports feel to, to their presentation at WWE and, you know, for what Cody is talking about, I think he, I think he had some quotes on the Ross report, um, uh, that you know he you know he wants to have a little more of a sport presentation and they mentioned it at the Jacksonville rally about you know wins and losses will matter and such. So it does sound like I'll, I'll say this. it does sound like for for, for, for Fox's knowledge they do they do need to be aware of aew because it does sound like aew is planning to present. A product that is more similar to what Fox is going to have with their WWE versus yes. the versus the WWE that Raw is going to have or, yes. or the USA USA is going to have on Mondays.
2: Yes, now we are getting closer to the same conversation. I feel like because I think in the back of my head, I, I just you know I will believe it when it, when I'm proved wrong. But they the, the newsletter said these guys all had a big TV deal meeting with an outlet on Friday. Sunday they're in Atlanta at the Super Bowl in the in the shadow of the Turner Building. I've already brought this up. Turner the Turner broadcast people they own Bleacher Report Live. We uh we know what it's like. Bleacher Report Live is very much like what we did on 120 Sports. They are buying up entities like World Arm Wrestling League. They're making deals with NBA and NFL. They're trying to to get these legitimate sports franchises all under one umbrella for a lot of different purposes. They've got like OTT platforms all over the place to use this stuff for, this content for. I think Turner looks at wrestling a lot like Fox looks at wrestling which is weird because I don't think USA looks at wrestling like either of those
0: entities you know no, <laughs> <laughs> no that's no that that's very it's that's all a very valid point and I did not even I didn't even piece together the <clears throat> then meeting on Friday and then obviously them being in Atlanta Sunday that's 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 interesting to think about um and another another point that's another small point that well I say small now but maybe it becomes a bigger deal is um is the fact that speaking of WWE and Raw and USA is the fact that Bonnie Hammer is now no longer the executive that is going to, is like the point person to deal with, with WWE and Vince McMahon. She's been promoted. And I, I read the article a couple of weeks ago, uh, kind of walked through where Bonnie Hammer's going and when, who's coming into her position, who, who will deal with programming like WWE on USA network. So that is something that right now it's just a, it's just a factoid, but depending on, that particular person, I mean, we've always heard about how Bonnie Hammer's been an advocate of WWE and Vince McMahon, and, um, you know, that's, you know, part of the reason why WWE and, and Vince McMahon and USA have had such a good relationship for, for, for the you know, 25 plus years they have, um, but, you know, I'd be interested to see how this how this new person, uh, if if that if that helps things better or worse.
2: It is. It's weird. It's like there's about to be a whole. It's like uh, the in uh, Alice in Wonderland, right? The Mad Hatter and the and the and the hair, where they all say "move down" and everyone changes chairs, right? It kind of has a little bit of that feel going on for me. Anyway, um, th- it's obviously a very ex- exciting time here. Uh, real quickly, let's touch on to the fact that he did leave the door open. Um, for other ties to the WWE world, as he put it, that are not SmackDown or Raw, uh, finding a presence on other Fox platforms, FS1. Um, I think this is like I feel like NXT on FS1. They're like dropping so many breadcrumbs. You know, it's almost like if it doesn't happen at this point, I'm going to be a little sad. Does that mean does that resonate with you at all?
0: Yeah, the tease is constantly there. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's probably inevitable just because NXT is such a hot property, while it's not a profitable touring brand, it's still just a hot... The, the, the brand um, the brand has a lot of value to wrestling fans and, and its popularity is really well. Obviously, the takeovers do really well. So it seems like it's inevitable that it will get moved to television. Um, even though I think there is something... and I don't know if Triple H truly believes this or if this is just what he says just to endorse the current situation, which is NXT is just on the network you know, Triple H just said on the calls to us that, you know, sometimes there's some kind of, you know, there's a little bit of, of a special aspect to NXT for the fact that it is just on the network. You know, it's kind of like a little bit of that still keeps it that not hidden gem, but, you know, it, it's got that, you know, it's, you got to go out of your way to go on the network and see it. you can't just channel surf and find it. Um, whether he truly believes that or he just says that just again to, you know, to endorse that they're only on the network right now, I don't know. Um, but I think it's inevitable that they go to TV Um and I, and I think, and, and you know, again, if Fox is looking for a sport kind of presentation again, NXT tends to have that feel to it in a lot of ways. And I just want to tell everybody to a quick little drop of a plug. Um, NXT TakeOver, obviously, in Brooklyn is the next NXT TakeOver. And I will have a suite for the Hall of Fame NXT TakeOver and Raw in Brooklyn that whole week. Um, you can and a suite, private entrance. Dead center view of the ring. Don't have to worry about lines for anything. If you go to ticketkingonline.com, ticketkingonline.com, yeah, search for any any of those events: Hall of Fame, t- uh, NXT Takeover Brooklyn, or Raw in Brooklyn, and just find the one suite. That's the suite I'll be in. You can come yeah. uh, hang out with me and do it right. Come hang out with Justin
2: labar and Nick Houseman in the suites all WrestleMania week. Justin labar and Nick Houseman in the suites <laughs> all week long. Thought I'd add. <laughs> I thought I'd. I thought I'd include the part of the plug you forgot, Justin. <laughs> How dare I? Um, for real, though, you did, you did before you got into your plug, uh, shake something loose in my brain. I'm thinking about at Fox. You know, Fox does have experience, obviously, in the legit uh, fight space with uh, UFC, right? And mm-hmm. it gets me thinking about the other non-in-Octagon content that F- FS1 has done, right? Like, they do, you know, FS1 has run, you know, 30-minute, hour-long, just hype packages on different fighters for the UFC, right? Uh, they've also, they do, like, pre- uh pay-per-view uh fights they do the pre-show fights on on fs1 that lead into the pay-per-views i wonder if we couldn't see elements like that like things that they've learned from working you with, with ufc uh maybe kind of some stuff we already see a bit on the network uh get worked into the programming uh, around the uh smackdown raw and other events that they do
0: i'm sure wwe will love that if, if you're suggesting that if if prior to uh an NXT takeover that's on the network or prior to a Sunday night WWE raw or SmackDown pay-per-view that's on the network. If you're suggesting FS1 gets to basically do the pre-show yeah. on it, I think WWE would love that because obviously yeah, that's, that's only going to help the case of trying to drive more subscribers to their networks. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure they, I'm sure they would rather have their pre-show also on cable versus it just being on the network or on the, I know that's what they stream to YouTube and stuff like that. I'm sure if they could, if they could get it on, on a channel like FS1, they would jump at it. So yeah. Yeah.
2: Because that's the thing is Fox isn't getting to cut a cut of pay-per-view revenue from UFC, I'm sure, right? For them, it's just like, no, we know that there's this big, buzzy event going on. Maybe we could pop a rating here leading into it, you know, promise us one big, not marquee match, but something we can, you know, put at the end of it. Um, I, I absolutely could see FS1 working with WWE in that capacity, so. Yeah, for uh, sure. Another observation. All right, uh, let's move away a, a bit from the Fox discussions here, but there is a lot of money in the water right now. Uh, and because of that, we've got more updates on contracts. Today, the wrestlers in question are the Usos. PWInsider.com is uh, reporting WWE is trying to negotiate a new contract for the Usos. Now, their deal expires in April. Man, April, what a month it'll be. No idea if they're looking to leave, but they have been with the company since 20, 2009. They're facing Shane and Miz at Elimination Chamber and, um, you know, they they've adapted a kind of young buck style. They obviously would work very well, I think, in a promotion like AEW. Um, what do you make of the Usos position right now in the uh, lay of the land that is pro wrestling?
0: There's a, they have an interesting one. Um, well, I mean, I guess all all the names that come up are obviously interesting. But what's what's unique to the Usos, obviously, is the fact that they're identical twins. It's not like this is the tag team of just two random guys that have been that have just been yeah, that have become an established tag team. You're dealing, you're talking about legitimate twin brothers. So, um, you know, it, it, it is kind of the case of like, they are a package deal and, you know, we, we, you know, other than the Bella twins, which, you know, they, you know, they've done the, they've done a decent job going out and branding themselves individually. Um, and obviously one made themselves far more identifiable to tell the part by a boob job. Um, you know, it's it's like the I mean the U.S. has they've been around WWE for so long. You forget that they've been around as long as they have. And again, it's one of those questions of okay, what else can they do? They've been they've they've put on <laughs> fantastic matches with, with this team, this team, this team. they've, they've won the tag titles. They've they've been healed, They've been faced. They did face paint. They did the kind of Samoan dance in their entrance. They've done the, the day one ish, the thug kind of thing. I mean, so it's like, you know, if you're them, I mean, obviously they're probably I'm, I'm sure they're you know being paid well. Obviously they have family that they work with in the company. Right. Um. But yeah, but you know, it's not like one of them can just decide. Hey, I'm gonna go and you know I mean. Would that be something? One Uso stays as a WWE and one's an AEW. I don't. I don't see that happening for. But but who knows? Maybe one of them wants a single screw. I don't know. I
2: wonder, um, man. I feel like every every one of these guys that you know somehow gets out their contracts up in April. They haven't settled on a new contract yet. I mean that's just smoke in the air for the cons and and every. I mean they've got a sack of money here. You know, throw it out early, right? Grab what you can that's of worth. And I'm, I'm sure that's what this talent, that's in this very unique optimal situation, are thinking right now. You know. Well,
0: and and for <laughs> the Usos, specifically the the one I uh, I apologize to that one. I can't remember which one it is, but to the one who's married to Naomi, Jimmy. You also have the fact you, you also yeah, okay, thank you. You also have the fact of you know they're also on the reality shows. They're appeared on that, and these reality shows are on delay in terms of like you know right now. I'm sure the reality shows are filming mm. them, oh. and will continue to film them in the mania, but it won't air till the summertime. So now you're talking about okay, a guy, you know, a guy or guys on a WWE reality show, and maybe are over on the competition. So I mean, there's a lot of different things with the Usos that when you start to really think about it. It makes their situation kind of unique compared to, you know, Dean Ambrose, so to speak.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, look Jimmy and uh, um, Naomi. Uh, are a central focus on Total Divas. I watch Total Divas. Uh, I would be watching Total Bellas this Sunday. And one of the things that's been, you know, and look, I I don't know what's real or fake, but those two have a lot of tension on that show, right? Like, uh, Naomi straight up just wanted to buy her own condo in Atlanta, and Jimmy's like, WTF? I'm not going to see you. You're just going to leave? I mean, there's, like, weird uh, arguments. I think it's one of the reasons they may be doing the Mandy Rose thing on on TV as well. Who knows? Um, Could be all for show. These two are both performers. Obviously, Jimmy's been in the business forever but i don't know i don't know how much that weighs on his head is what i'm saying here is when he's in these contract negotiations at the moment um and yeah again it's just like how how many times are you going to have these tony constant over here giant sack of money you got some credibility i know your contract's up it's it's tough i think to to turn that down Who's, who who knows um aj styles corrected a report that he is suffering from a hernia tweeting out sure. i don't have a hernia <laughs> now what i thought was ballsy was this morning i was reading a uh, Meltzer's uh, newsletter again before I did the show, and he says AJ Styles has a hernia. <laughs> and he said that he doesn't know why AJ said this as of like Tuesday well, or whatever. Well,
0: so, well, we know we, we know Meltzer would know <laughs> AJ Styles' body better than AJ Styles would. It's... <laughs> um, I don't know. And, well, and then I saw did you see this tweet? <laughs> AJ then put out a tweet, I think it was this morning, uh, where he said. I'm paraphrasing, but basically he said, you know, reporting is reporting said reporting is all about it has nothing to do with facts. It's all about getting the story out first. And then Randy Orton quoted that tweet and said, how's your hernia question? Mark.
2: <laughs> so I don't know what happened here. Like the way Dave was talking to the newsletter, it's like he read a medical report from inside WWE. And it's like, no, it's written here. He's got a hernia. So I don't know. But I, <laughs> I read the newsletter this morning. And by the way, Dave, I know Dave is dealing with some things right now in his personal life. I want to send my best out to Dave, but it got me it got me when he was just like i know aj said this but man has hernia it's like, i've never seen somebody's right here i don't know who uh also according to
0: somebody somebody's right about aj styles body but we don't know who
2: i mean aj styles is on the record saying i don't have a hernia but i mean why trust why trust the horse when you can get the steak for free i don't know i think i butchered that line i'm sorry
0: I think, I think AJ's working us all about his hernia.
2: Okay. Uh, next topic. <laughs> Wrestling Observer. Again, another Meltzer one. Uh, he's saying that they're discussing a possible Becky and Stephanie match for SummerSlam now that the you know excitement came out on Monday night. Definitely not a done deal. A lot of things could happen. But, you know, look, I, if Ronda is to go away and Becky's the champ after this, I, I, mm, is Stephanie the opponent or do you want to see her in the Vince role where, I don't know, maybe she has a... She handpicks opponents, so to speak, to go up against Becky Lynch.
0: Well, if she did that, that would time out to SummerSlam then. if I mean, mm-hmm. you know, April to August it's time to fill, so you could have Stephanie handpicking a few obstacles, Becky runs through them, and then it come, becomes time for Stephanie yeah. to have to go ahead and be her own hired assassin and, and take on Becky at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, quite honestly, it's stemming from our conversation we had yesterday about, you know, there, they seem to be using the, the Stone Cold Vince formula with Becky, but it seems to be okay by all of us because – we don't feel like it's we you know we feel like Becky is the appropriate person to have this applied to. Um, it would make sense. It would make sense for her to build to a match to eventually with Stephanie. And, and I know some people are groaning and rolling their eyes right now and don't like Stephanie wrestling or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, she's a heat magnet. Her character draws a lot of heat. People know that she's a McMahon that she's actually has an authority position in the company and you know basically runs the you know runs the company to an extent. So it, it's it's so it's not it's not a hard sell. It just makes sense, um, and, and again, people might groan, but Stephanie does pretty well actually in, in the matches she's in, and the way they construct the matches to to hide her, to hide her, you know, uh, you know, her flaws or, or her lack of, you know, being a complete wrestler, so to speak. But she's a good performer. Um, but I mean, it makes sense, and quite frankly, we've we've seen Becky slap Stephanie, we've seen her slap Triple H. I gotta think it's only a matter of time until old Vince comes walking out in the start of show, and, and we gotta get, you know. Will she dare slap Vince? I, I think that's the next step. that got to be the next step here. Uh, eminently.
2: Man. Now I want that. I want to see Becky slap Vince. I want to see her. Then she like kicks him in the balls and then she makes Vince kiss her ass. Right. I mean, that'd be the, that'd be the top of it.
0: Uh, now I think we're getting into a different show.
2: No, no. Eh, okay. Maybe, but it's the show I want to watch. Um, so, uh, speaking of WWE and Vince, uh, WWE is, I think either is just wrapped or wrapping their Q4 financial uh, call from this morning. So the full report, the full written report, we had somebody on the call is up right now at WrestlingInc.com. Uh, we do know that the network uh, subscriber count, uh, paid network subscriber count up 4% from last year. So good for them. But the um, big thing that I think a lot of folks are gleaning from this is how much money did they make from Saudi Arabia? So here's I'm going to take this from the from the site directly, because uh, if I tried to say this from the top of my head, I'm sure I'd butcher it. So it says here revenue from the event would be listed in the other section of the report. The event being crown jewel. The total for the other for the final three months of 2018 is sixty three point five million, up forty two point nine million from the same period in 2017. So it's safe to assume WWE Made in the neighborhood of 40 to 45 million from Crown Jewel alone, since there might have been some other minor fluctuations in the category elsewhere. In the earnings report, it was noted that the big increase in revenue was primarily due to the distribution of certain live in ring programming content in international markets as reflected in other. The WWE network revenue for the same quarter was 46.8 million. So, WWE made as much from Crown Jewel as they netted from the WWE Network in Q4 of 2018. That is a staggering statistic, Justin.
0: Uh, It kind of tells you all you need to know of uh, why they were not turning back on making that flight over there.
2: Uh, Yeah, and, you know, May 3rd, I've heard, uh, I've seen in other outlets, I don't know exactly. I think Fightful was the first to report it, and Dave uh, wrote about it again this morning in the newsletter. But May 3rd. That's going to be the next Saudi show, at least as of now. And uh, man, it, it, this is like batting down the hatches, get ready for the storm over and over again for wrestling fans
0: here. I feel now, you know, <laughs> wouldn't that, wouldn't that be, uh, you know, they're, they're talking about uh, pushing the culture fo- culture out there forward and more Westernized. Uh, and give them Becky versus Stephanie. <laughs> Let's just give them a a shock to the system of Becky Lynch versus Stephanie McMahon live in the ring for the Saudi Arabia crowd. Let's do it. <sighs> um,
2: yeah, and you know it's interesting too. I was thinking about the Saudi show in May third, and it, you know it really does. It puts a weird taste in, in wrestling fans' mouth and that's the same month Double or Nothing is happening. So I, it's again, it's like there's all these other factors in play right now that I don't know how we're going to impact or if they even do impact each other. But I did think about that when I was when I was reading this year. Same month, <laughs> the next WWE Saudi show in Double or Nothing. Fascinating time for wrestling. Um, lastly, here in the world directly of WWE, uh, la- I think this was also the last thing here from the observer, uh, earlier this week, WWE sent officials to Japan to talk with different businesses and companies about opening the door for an NXT Japan. Uh, I'm a little surprised by this. Um, how about you, Justin? Not
0: not surprised. I, I mean, obviously Japan's got a tremendous, uh, tremendous history of pro wrestling and obviously they they do quite well currently um and you know when they've that's been the talk recently is nxt is going to do just this massive global expansion obviously they just launched over in england so um you know i maybe i mean if you want to talk surprise i guess maybe you can make a case that that japan would necessarily be this high on the list of you know like i know they talked about you know india you know being a place where they'd open a performance center in nxt so i mean but i I, but I, i put it this way i guess my point is Inevitably, I would have thought they would end up in Japan at some point, whether they do it in the next 18 months or whether it's the three years away. But, I mean, I think it's inevitable they would try to tap into the, the Japanese market.
2: <sighs> NXT, the new McDonald's, internationally, right? You're for a big market. You're <laughs> going to get an NXT. We're going to put one up. We're going to make some hamburgers, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, look
0: It was the Golden Arches and the Golden X.
2: I, I wonder who these businesses and companies are. I would think that they're not talking directly with New Japan. Though it's tough to tell, right? Because, like, I hear so many things about – New Japan Ring of Honor, New Japan AEW. I mean, is WWE trying to insert themselves into the conversation while there's a little bit of chaos right now over there?
0: Maybe. Could you imagine uh, how cool it would be if um, I don't know if this restaurant's. I know this restaurant's legendary. Could you imagine if if if, if they got like a Robera NXT jacket? How cool that would be. That's what you thought. I
2: really thought you were going to be like, oh man, can you imagine if they partner with New Japan, like a formal Bullet Club invasion of of
0: Raw? Like that's no, what... no. I'm thinking about steak and sushi. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was like, man, I, I triggered something. Justin, he got really excited about this <laughs> idea. Can you imagine John Cena versus Tanahashi? These are great. <laughs> things.
0: No, I'm just thinking about a Roberto and NXT Jack Gold jacket that you could, <laughs> you could you could you could you could wear after you've just had you know steak and sushi. The New Day versus L.I.J.
2: I mean, that's some fun stuff there. you remember? Remember when uh, the Wyatt family nearly was it? The Wyatt family nearly killed the the New Day in that brawl that they did when they were trying to counter the House of Hardy stuff? Anyway. Uh, yes. Yes. Thank you. New Day have gone there before. Uh, NXT Japan, just something to keep an eye on here. Um, I was just a little surprised at the timing of WWE inserting themselves in the co- in the conversation with these businesses and companies. Well, it does seem like there is a bit of, you know, I, again, I'm not in these rooms, but it does sound like there's some moving pieces um, involved here. Um, Impact Wrestling. Uh, let's move over there real quick. They're teasing that a former world champion will return to the company and main event. Their United. We stand pay-per-view on April 4th from New Jersey. Now they're going to announce who it is tomorrow night on impact. And uh, I thought it was worth noting that uh, Austin Aries and Sammy Callahan have been exchanging some heated words where Sammy is calling Austin by his real name, Dan. Uh, and now Aries is calling, uh, Sammy Callahan Solomon Crow, uh, and just taking general pot shots. You don't work at any companies anymore. You're a danger to society. You nearly killed a man with your ball bat. Um, what i'm getting at is i think that this may be the setup for the return of austin aries for impact to impact wrestling
0: aka dan
2: dan yeah disagree is there another name that you'd see coming back to impact
0: no i, I honestly i don't have a i don't have an educated guess but everything you just said there with austin aries um <laughs> would make sense
2: you know who? I think especially
0: would... especially given the especially given the 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 press that was around his, I guess his last impact match where everybody was speculating was that a work or not with him, with him, with the no selling the finish.
2: Yeah. I know he's got a WWE network show and everything too, but the other name that popped out to me was like, man, Christian, right? Like, if he really felt like the doctors had cleared him and he could go and impacted, let him, like that would be, that would make me turn my head. But outside of that, I don't know who else would be coming
0: back, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, I doubt it is, but, you know, I think Christian's probably, he's probably the kind of guy that. Well, I mean, he probably isn't able to if he has the WWE Network show, but he's the kind of guy kind of like like Jericho, I think that like, you know, he's he's going to he's going to do his own thing. I mean, if he still feels like he can go, he's going to go and do it where he can do it. But yeah, but because he has a show at the network, I doubt that he would put that I, th- I doubt he would put that in Jeopardy for he and Edge.
2: I don't know. Uh, that was the only other name though that popped out to me. Uh, update on the Undertaker, he has added uh, another non-WWE event uh, to his schedule. He'll now be appearing April 28th at the For the Love of Wrestling Convention. Of course, he'll be over there. Uh, that'll be in Liverpool. He'll already be over there in the U.K. for the uh, uh, almost the next three days uh, doing the Rise of the Undertaker series with Inside the Ropes. So Undertaker, open for business. Just an update on the dead man there. Uh, he was also brought up in the newsletter this morning saying, still no plans for the Undertaker at Mania. Also no plans for him at Saudi Arabia. So, I mean, this horse could be looking to run. I think we're going to see a lot more Undertaker popping up at conventions and other appearances here uh, pretty soon, Justin.
0: Seems like it. I mean, uh, now if he's if He's in the ring doing something else, or that would be the real, real story, but yeah, it seems like he's uh, <clears throat> like we talked about yesterday, it's kind of exciting that he's been so protective for so many years, and uh, now we're gonna get to see a little bit of uh, a little bit of the man, maybe, maybe pull back the curtain a little bit, or at the very least, just make himself more accessible, mm-hmm. um, so to 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 be to be to meet or, or to book or what have you, and uh, so that's cool. And real quick to Christian, I actually I, this triggered a memory, I I hadn't thought about in so long how much fun you and I had doing the, the thing in New York with him several years ago. The the, 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 the I think we, what it was preview in SummerSlam, I think, is what we did.
2: Yeah, it was a preview for SummerSlam. Uh, Christian was there. He was the guest of Chris Jericho for the Live is Jericho, Talk is Jericho segment, right? That's right.
0: That's right, yeah.
1: Okay.
2: I, I opened for Chris Jericho on Broadway. That is a thing that really happened. I dazzled that crowd for 10 minutes or so before Chris Jericho came to the stage.
0: Do you remember this? Well, I wasn't there for your open. I got there. Um, I, I was coming from another deal that I had up, but I got there to do the thing after. Oh, that's too, right. With, with you and Christian.
2: That's right. You showed up after we did 120 after. That's right. That's right. Well, that was like, fun. I
0: remember we, we I remember was, I was the, the best part. Obviously we had good talk. We, took the serious picture. Then I think it was actually Christian who suggested, all right, let's do the five second pose. And I, that's actually one of my favorite pictures ever is that picture. Yeah.
2: Me, you, and me, you, and we're going to have to top it. Maybe we can, I'll grab you. We'll do something dumb. Um, all right. Last topic here before we get to interviews and segments. Uh, I again had to pull this one up. I'm, I'm looking right at the site now because this one's a little confusing for me. Uh, actually not confusing, but I want to make sure I don't say anything wrong. Uh, lawyers for King Cuerno, AKA El Hijo de Fantasma, have filed documents in Los Angeles against the L Ray Network and Lucha Underground's production, Baba G Productions, according to Pro Wrestling Sheet. They are claiming the contract illegally restricts wrestlers from finding work in wrestling, is in violation of California law, with season five very much still a mystery. Wrestlers are being held to their contracts while they wait for word if they will indeed if there will indeed be another season. The documents sent to Pro Wrestling Sheet detailed how the wrestlers under contract make money based on the shows they appear on, usually less than a thousand dollars an episode. Uh, there's a whole write-up here about that, and then um, Lucha, under, Lucha Central also reporting in a statement that Fantasma's lawyer, uh, that from St- Fantasma's lawyer, that a class action lawsuit is potentially in the works, also involving Eva Joey Ryan, and Thunder Rosa, aka Cobra Moon, getting involved to get out of their contracts. Now Joey has commented on this on twitter basically saying when season four wrapped they said if you want out of your contract get out of your contract if you want to stick around for season five stay under contract joey says some people left some people who still had faith in the the product said you know what i'll stick around for season five but with no season five anywhere near on the horizon the people that did have faith in the product are basically being held hostage now to not go work anywhere while no show is being produced that is a messed up situation justin
0: it is. Um, I actually went out to uh, to Lucha Underground's uh, season two finale. I was out there as a guest of theirs and got to do some media. And um, it was a fantastic experience. And I, I wrote about it and took all kinds of photos and videos. And it's, it's out there in the interwebs if you Google for from uh, several years ago. My, based upon my experience out there and getting to kind of see the behind the scenes, getting to interview Mark Burnett, getting to interview um, a lot of the guys that are the, the, the showrunners there this is from my perspective this might be wrong but for, but from a little bit of credibility i can offer from having been there several years ago and that was at the end of season two my belief of what what ended up happening was they did season one and it was nothing like anybody is nothing like anything else going on and it was, it was exciting um and so it, it, it the, the morale was high the performers were interested the, 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 you know everybody involved was interested and then they did season two continued another good season and it was at this point morale was very high when I was out there. Uh, at least so it seemed Uh, they they put on a smile for me, at least it seemed people were very excited. It seemed like they all believed the rah, rah speech of, all right, you know, we're on El Rey. Um, but obviously we need to get more distribution, more, more mainstream distribution. We need to get out there more and, 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 and expose our brand, which if anybody hasn't ever, not ever seen Lucha Underground, it is this mixture of wrestling with, these, this, this great cinematic storytelling and in, in terms of the way they, they produce it. Um, and I feel like it was kind of like, okay, everybody just hang on a little bit longer. Just trust us. You know, we want you just to be here with us. We don't want you out everywhere else exposing your character. We don't want you out everywhere else getting hurt. Just hang on. We're going to get that. We're going to get that distribution deal. That's going to really up the money and up the game for this whole thing. It's going to make us a major player in television, let alone just the wrestling business. And then I think after that, it just started becoming more increasingly clear. They just weren't. They, they they just lost the momentum. They lost the traction. They 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 lost out on getting the major distribution deals they really really needed. And I, and then and like you just said, it, yeah, basically it's basically turned into a situation of those who stuck it out to try to hold out faith are now being punished because they didn't get out early enough.
2: Man, <laughs> it's messed up guys. Pro wrestling, everyone. The aristocrats. Uh, yes, it is, is a messy situation. I feel bad for all these people, but Joey Ryan right now. I mean, you think about like why hasn't Joey Ryan popped up more in Ring of Honor or in Impact Wrestling or it, where's the AEW talk? I mean, if if the reason that he's in particular for me just because I see Joey as like a pretty big attraction right now in pro wrestling, that's really that, I mean, I don't know I I don't know how you can in good faith do that. For me with Lucha Underground at this point, burn it to the ground, let these guys out of their contracts and if you're going to do a season don't do a season 5, do a reboot, right? do it different have come in better prepared because i think you're right justin i think these people have just lost momentum and for that reason i think should just stop and then refocus and come back with with a fresh slate
0: right yeah yeah Yeah, um yeah it's unfortunate because it really was and i don't want to harp too much on something that's know some several years old now but i mean i like i said i i I, it was nothing like i'd ever experienced live i mean i was you know, I've experienced a lot of live wrestling in my life, and it was, um, it was, it was, it was a, it was. I, I mean, I, I, it made me a huge fan. I mean, I was interested, hence going out to Los Angeles to do this. I was interested going into it, and then when I came home, I was like, "Man, I want this thing to succeed because this is freaking cool, yeah. and the potential was there." And uh, you know, so it's, it's really unfortunate that it, that, you know, that that it ended up, the wheels have fallen off.
2: At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show something to wrestle with. Conrad Thompson. Conrad, welcome to the Winkly.
1: Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to come on.
2: I guess I should say StarCast 2 promoter. That's more the reason you're here, right?
1: Yeah, I I can't believe I'm I'm silly enough to do this again, but it's happening. StarCast returns. Las Vegas Memorial Day weekend.
2: Now, I know that you were pretty serious about not wanting to maybe do another one of these because of how much it took out of you the last time. Walk me through how you were convinced to do another StarCast.
1: Well, you know, I've I've run businesses for a long time and and you unfortunately get into the habit of trying to focus on what you're not doing well and what you can do better. And you don't, you're so far in the forest, you can't see the trees to uh, use a phrase. But the reality is once the the dust sort of settled, I realized that the overwhelming response was incredibly positive and people were clamoring for another one. So. You know, when I finished the first one, nobody really knew that All Elite Wrestling was going to be a thing. All In really felt like a one-off. And I just didn't want to really piggyback a WWE event. And I certainly didn't want to compete with WrestleCon. I mean, they're sort of a brand for WrestleMania at this point. So it just, uh, I thought, you know what, this was hard. And I learned a lot of lessons and it was a miserable weekend for me. And they're never doing another All In. It's safe to say I'm never doing this again. And then... All Elite Wrestling happened, and here we are, StarCast 2.
2: Okay, so when did how far before the rally did you know and start talking with the AEW guys about doing StarCast 2?
1: Well, I mean, I've been friends with Tony for a long time. and Tony you know, Khan? When, when, I'm sorry?
2: Did you say Tony Khan? Yeah. The owner of the Jaguars? I did not know that. Okay.
1: Yeah, Tony Khan has, has listened to my podcast for a long time, and okay. he followed me on Twitter one day, and I thought well, this is random, and then one day he, so I followed him back, and then he DM'd me and told me how much he enjoyed the podcast, and we started chatting and realized how much of the same type of wrestling we really enjoyed, so Hmm. we just became fast friends, and at the time, of course, this is years ago, I mean, AEW, much less something to wrestle, neither one of those things existed, much less an all-in or a StarCast. Anyway, um, so I knew that Tony was sort of kicking around the idea of doing something, and I had conversations with Cody about you know what that might be, but it wasn't until the guys sort of settled in on, "Hey, we're doing it, and we're doing it in Las Vegas," that I started to say, "Okay, well, let me see how difficult that'll be to put together," because we really just had uh, the perfect storm, being in the suburbs of Chicago right. for Labor Day. You right. know, we weren't in downtown Chicago; we were in Hoffman Estates, Ooh. Schaumburg, Illinois. So. We were removed enough from any sort of tourist destination. Well, that's all Las Vegas is. And I thought, man, for a a, a real vacation weekend like Memorial Day, this is going to be tough. But I've got a great staff, and and one of the guys on the StarCast team is Scott, who has extensive uh, hotel experience. And he was able to find a way to make it affordable for fans. So when he came back and said, listen, I found a great property that is all suites and rooms are affordable, and they're waiving the daily resort fee. I thought, okay, maybe this isn't going to be as expensive for fans as I thought. So we found a way to make it work, and, and now we're, we're proud to say that tickets go on sale next week, which I can't believe I'm doing again.
2: Wow. that's a So I didn't know that you and Tony were close years ago before all of this. Were the Bucks and Cody, I mean, obviously, were they coming to you, asking you questions? You know, what's up with this guy? Were you helping to play some kind of media a medium, man, medium here in between these two parties while this was all going down, I guess?
1: Well, I mean, some sometimes people would um, hear his name and then like sort of stalk him on social, and they would see that they, we followed each other. And if I was friendly with that person, they would hit me up and say, "Hey, what do you know about this guy?" And, and I'll tell them the truth. Hey, man, he's a, he's a great guy. He's a super friend like me. You know, he's just uh, on a much different financial level than anybody else I know. And you know, <laughs> yeah. when that when 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 the opportunity arose for you know, really a perfect storm for everybody's contract coming up around the same time. And you had proof of concept with all in, it was probably a no brainer to somebody who was looking to get into the business and, and had the passion and the balls that Tony did to put together AEW. So huh. no, I mean, most of those guys, you know, we keeping everything super close to the vest and Whenever they would say, well, you know, there's this new guy in the space. And there were a few people where I said, oh, you mean Tony Khan? And they looked at me sharply like, how did you know? It's like, I've been friends with Tony for a long time. It's not a secret. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, now that everybody knows, a lot of people are starting to sort of connect the dots in reverse and think, Maybe it wasn't this big secret all along because he's been such a massive fan for so long, you yeah. know, participating in the Observer message boards and mm-hmm. sending old house show reports to Dave or whatever way back in the day. He's just like me and you, Nick, just a super wrestling fan, just, you know, with the means to put together such a massive undertaking like AEW.
2: Well, I am a big, I am a big super wrestling fan. I, I agree with that. But you have a particular knowledge of the history of wrestling. I've been hit too many times in the head. Um, you, you have to... Under, or be looking at the historical significance here of what is going on. How much of what you're seeing right now reminds you of like the early days of the Monday night war between WWE and, and WCW?
1: Well, nothing yet. You know, I mean, I don't, I, I really want to, and I've tried to even purge my brain from going down that path because I want to, I don't want to compare AEW to WCW. I want to let AEW be what it is. And whether that means they have. You Know a big TV deal on Monday or Tuesdays, or they're through an app or their OTT, or you know, it's just through YouTube, whatever it is. I want to just judge it by what it is, I'm not necessarily judge it against the successes or failures of another company because it is a whole new game now. You know, th- promotions are working together, and the guys are able to sort of make their own brand through social media. And just everything is different now. So I, I'm trying very hard not to draw any sort of comparisons to WCW, but what is unavoidable is the way that the talent now has options. And so now instead of feeling like maybe you're stuck in your WWE deal and you've got to renew and, you know, you've just got to learn to live with it. Now they have options and that is really exciting because, you know, it's just fun to see the deck shuffled. And I, and I like saying that. I like when some of my favorite players wind up on a different team in the NFL or the NBA let's see what they can do with a new a new set of circumstances and that that to me is exciting
2: yeah um, of course like Dean Ambrose is the one what do you think of that Dean Ambrose situation you think that's all on the level
1: you know it's hard for me to say I haven't asked anybody you know I try not to ask stuff like that but
2: hmm.
1: I mean the, the the thing I hear unsolicited is he just he's burned out on wrestling and wants to take a break and I get that and I don't think yeah. that's a bad thing. I think if you were a star at his level, just sort of sitting on the sidelines for a little while, would not necessarily hurt your value. In fact, it might make it greater. You look at what, a co- to make a sports comparison, you look at what John Gruden did, where he stepped away from coaching and stepped into the booth calling games. His name every year was at the top of everyone's list. And so when the rumor mill started, whenever some head coach somewhere was fired, whether it was college or pro, everybody says, oh, Gruden, Gruden, Gruden. Well, eventually that built to where, you know, people had to pay an arm and a leg to get Gruden to come coach for them. And and he got it. So good for him. and, And that's probably not a terrible strategy just to sit on the sidelines. But at the same time, I can't imagine being a free agent and not wanting to at least try something with AEW. Who doesn't want to be somewhere from the ground up, you know?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, well, every, it's different strokes for different folks, right? Like, Pac disappeared and showed up at Dragon's Gate. That was kind of weird, right? But, I mean, you know, here he is back at AEW. I feel like everybody it, – it's its just a different time because everybody has different motives for exactly what they want out of this business. Um, uh, let me get back on track here a little bit more about StarCast. Um, do you have, like, a formal we, – we've talked about your history here with Tony and the Bucks and Cody. Do you have, like, a formal role with AEW?
1: Oh, no, absolutely not. Tony's just my friend. I don't have a title, I don't have a business card, I've never gotten a paycheck, I've never filled out paperwork, okay. I paid for my own flight to Jacksonville to do the rally, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just Tony's buddy, and, and I know if I asked Tony for a favor, he would do it, and when he asked me for a favor and to come host the rally, I did it, and it was a, a thrill as a wrestling fan to be a part of something so historic, especially where at the end of the night Chris Jericho was jumping ship, Yeah, to know to know that I was... In, in any small way, a part of that is just awesome. So thrilled to have the opportunity, but no, I don't work there. And, you know, there's lots of people saying, oh, StarCast is an AEW event. No, we're featuring a ton of AEW talent, but StarCast is owned by me. And oh. It's an independent thing, and there will be a ton of uh, wrestlers from other companies who are there. It's not exclusive to uh, AEW, just like the first StarCast wasn't exclusive to Ring of Honor. You know, we had tons of old WWE and WCW and ECW legends there who didn't work for ring of honor. And, you know, they weren't on the all in card. So it's the exact same as the first one, you know, it's sort of the official unofficial, if that makes any sense.
2: Well, that does
1: bring me around to a question that had been in
2: in my mind. And I think you just cleared up uh, for me was how is WWE allowing their legends and hall of famers like sting and Bret Hart be a part of something that seems to be so intertwined with AEW. Have you gotten any blowback, or have they said anything to you about what's going on here?
1: It's no different than what they do with WrestleCon. You know, they allow all of those guys to appear at WrestleCon, and this is literally no different. WrestleCon is built around WrestleMania. WrestleCon doesn't show up, you know, in Roanoke, Virginia. It shows up the weekend of WrestleMania in the host city for WrestleMania, StarCast shows up whenever Cody and the Bucks put on a super show. If Cody and the Bucks are putting on a pay-per-view and they're interested in having StarCast, I'm going to be there. Uh, Not as their uh, official partner, not as any sort of financial partnership whatsoever, just as someone who sees the opportunity and recognizes that, hey, if these guys are putting on a big show, fans are coming. So let's service them. But let's also maybe take an opportunity to introduce Cody and the Bucks to some lapsed fans to use a phrase, because there's lots of people who don't watch wrestling anymore who listen to my podcast. Yeah. So somebody who wants to meet, you know, last year we had like a horseman get-together and an NWO get-together, but we also had the Bullet Club. And so that was cool. You had multiple generations there. So, you know, we had grandfathers coming with their son and their grandson and, you know, a horseman fan, an NWO fan, and what do you know, an elite fan, and, and and it worked. And that's what we're trying to do here is just create an experience that's for all wrestling fans, whether you liked Jim Crockett promotions or ECW or world-class or all elite wrestling. And certainly WWE is a big part of that as well. So I think most of the guys, and I'm just freestyling here, but I think most of the guys don't ask permission from WWE where they say, Hey, can I go work double or nothing? Cause they're not. What they say is, Hey, can I go do this convention with Conrad in May and I have a good relationship with WWE, so they said, "Yeah, whatever you want to do with Conrad's fine." Wow,
2: that's a that's a very unique spot you found yourself in there. I was going to ask about your relationship with WWE. Do you have any uh, updates on the future of yours and Bruce's show on the network?
1: Yeah, I mean, they definitely want to do another one. You know, we didn't even film any of the other uh, any episodes last year, right. Until early May, late April, early May. So that's what we're looking at again this year. They definitely want to do more stuff with us. Uh, and, you know, you'll probably be hearing and reading more about that very soon that I'm not going to necessarily share yet. Come on. But we've we've had the, I mean, when I first signed my contract with WWE last year, there's an inclusion in there for StarCast. They know I'm doing StarCast. They approved StarCast signage in the background of something else to wrestle with. I drank out of a StarCast cup on something else to wrestle with. They know that I'm promoting StarCast and, and they're not opposed to it. So I know that that, sort of doesn't sit well with some people because they think there's got to be more to it than that, but there's really not, you know, we're independent. And my role, even on something to wrestle and all the podcasts is I'm just a fan and I'm asking questions and telling stories from a fan perspective. And the guys who are there are are the talent and that's not going to change the star cast. You know, there's going to be lots of people participating who uh, maybe have different varying relationships with WWE, but mine's fine. So they don't care.
2: Okay. Um, what about uh, what about names that you'd like to see at Starcast? So that because you've, I, I feel like you've had a chance to put together. You know, you talk about all these events with these big names and these groups. Is there one white whale out there for you for something you'd like to bring the fans at Starcast to?
1: I got uh, all but two. Uh, one name, two names were out of town, and and two the timing just didn't work. Uh, but with with those four exceptions, I got everybody I wanted. That's so cool. there will be um, a lot of star power at StarCast 2. And I started with, hey, let me uh, make a list of everybody that wasn't available for the first one for whatever reason. Yeah. And let me try to book those guys. And I was successful in doing so.
2: Undertaker just changed uh, listed his booking info this morning. That's a buzzy thing. Are you are you reaching out to Taker? Is there a chance you see the dead man at, at StarCast
1: 2? No spoilers, Nick. Come on. I'm just saying. Just asking the questions, I, I, Conrad. Hypothetically, if Undertaker were at Starcast, that'd be a pretty big deal, wouldn't it?
2: That'd be a pretty big deal. I'm not gonna lie. Hypothetically, if the Undertaker <laughs> yeah. was at Starcast too, that'd be a, a very big. Deal. But
1: realistically, you know, like it would be a big deal if Mick Foley was there, or Edge and Christian were there, or Hulk Hogan was there, or yeah. Steve Austin was there. There's so many big stars who weren't available for whatever reason at the first Starcast. But I'm swinging for the fences here, and we've already cracked the bat with Sting and Bret Hart, and more to come. So, okay, stay tuned. You can follow us on Twitter and get mo uh, instant notifications. It's at Starcast Events on Twitter. That's where we're making all the announcements. Sure, we've rolled out three a day so far this week, and, and those will continue tonight and for the rest of the week.
2: Okay, I got a, I got an idea for the Undertaker experience. You ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, because you brought up Mick, right? Which made me think about Hell in a Cell. So, maybe you go get a Hell in a Cell. No big deal. Right. And then fans could climb up to the cell where Taker is. And one at a time, he could just throw them off into a crash pad for like three hundred dollars a pop or something.
1: What if he embalmed them live? What if we did that? Uh, What if we like a drawing and he could do a live embalming?
2: I mean, then they I mean, you'd have to just take everything from them. They'd be dead then. What would their possessions
1: even be worth? Well, I mean, it worked for many, and I, we could do a Buried Alive a Buried Alive experience, where you we dig a hole, you get in the hole, okay, and Undertaker literally shovels dirt on top of you, and you get the, the Buried Alive experience.
2: That sounds, I don't know why, but that came across as sexual to me.
1: Mm, I don't know. I, I think maybe there's some something we should talk about off air. All right.
2: Well, uh, my other question was, you did do the AEW rally. I got you here for like three more minutes, so I have a couple more things I'll ask you. Uh, I saw you at the AEW rally. Was there any talk of you joining AEW as a commentator or backstage interviewer?
1: Uh, no, dude, I, I have absolutely no experience in, in doing any sort of commentary. So I would be awful at play-by-play play or color. You know, there are so many more well-qualified people for that. I am not the guy. And between my work schedule and me being a big old fat guy, I'm, I'm probably not the guy to have on TV.
2: Uh, well, you know, I mean, you are on TV, though. Obviously,
1: WWE gave you a deal okay well that's fair uh so with that in mind yeah tony what's the hold up come off the money dude <laughs> thank you all right I, I mean i saw you up
2: there it was immediately something everybody around me started saying they're like oh is conrad gonna do commentary and i was like i don't know that i've ever heard of conrad or even talking about doing commentary so that just call me up no there.
1: no because i have no aspirations of doing it it is it is a hard thankless job mm-hmm. i mean if you have if you have a great night it means you really go unnoticed if you have an off night it's all anybody talks about uh I'm going to stick to mortgages and and talking about old wrestling.
2: Um, Do you, uh, what do you think about WWE having fans take off the AEW shirts at events? Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea on their part?
1: If I had to guess, I would say that it's not Vince's call. I would say it's somebody down the line who just thinks, hey, I don't want to get in trouble for that, so swap it out. I, I just don't think at this point... There's anything for Vince to be worried about. I know that that's what everybody wants to say, and and I love the guys at AEW, and know they're going to do fantastic. But at this point, they haven't even ran a show. I, I don't think it's time for anybody to hit the panic button. Yeah. You know, WWE's worth more than ever right now, and and you know their financials are through the roof. They're a very profitable, successful business. Meanwhile, this other company's still trying to figure out their business model. I'm not disparaging anybody, it's just a startup. So at this point, I think anybody saying, "Oh, Vince is nervous." No, I mean he's having to get more aggressive in negotiations. He might be nervous about losing some potential talent, but losing market share just yet, I think that's still a little premature. Let's let Double or Nothing get under our belt and and then see what people say. But obviously, All In was a huge success, yeah. and and everybody is going to be watching Double or Nothing with bated breath to see, hey, what's this look like? And I, I expect Vince to watch it. I mean, I'm I'm not I don't talk to Vince or anything, but I expect him to watch it. But the idea that He's mandated you take off your AEW shirt. I just don't think that's real. I think that's somebody s- sort of trying to CYA for their own job.
2: Uh, lastly here, before we do the the hard plug for the, the pool party, and I'm releasing this on Thursday, so you'll already be in a pool or something like that, but what do you make of the hay that some have made about uh, whether or not AEW will be offering health insurance or uh, opening the door for kind of wrestlers union, which has been a, a talking point that Cody and the Bucks have had in the past?
1: I mean, I think it would be awesome if they could figure out a way to make it happen. You know, obviously, they've, they've been hot button issues for a long, long time. But I also know that in order for a union to work, you know, there are dues and, and you've got to, guys have to be making money. And, you know, at this point, they haven't even run a show. I think some of that stuff is a little premature. I think you, you have to get it going. And, and then you talk about a union. And even then, it couldn't necessarily be. I mean, a union has to represent the workforce. If a union's put together by the organization, it's not really a union. So I, I think some of that stuff is a little cart before the horse. I'd like to see them get up and going and uh, have some shows under their belt. And then if some of the boys in the locker room want to do a union, I mean, the Con family is very familiar with that. that. That's a foreign concept for the McMahons. Right. But the NFL Players Union, my goodness. I mean, the Cons are very familiar with that and, and are comfortable with it and have found a way to make it work can't imagine that they couldn't find a way to make it work here. But some of that stuff to me is like, well, we're, we're, we're on page one. You're on chapter seven. Let's get there.
2: Knowing Tony, like you do, do you see him operating AEW more like a franchise than a wrestling promotion?
1: I mean, that's hard to say. I mean, you know, it, the NFL franchises are so ridiculous, you know, in that a lot, so much of their value is just based on the rarity of it and just the, the brand. Uh, and it, certainly they're cash cows, but not all of them are. And there is an opportunity for you to really grow a brand and, and see incredible, you know, wealth building through that process. And and some of that is just through licensing. So I think what you would see, and I haven't had extensive conversation about this, but right. I think what you would see is, Tony's swinging for the fences on licensing deals because that's where the NFL has just cashed in. And and that's how so many of the owners have done so well. So Hmm. that really has always been a metric for WWE and one that has dwarfed what a lot of fans who sort of grew up in a different era still look at. Yes, ratings are important, but if you get a television rights deal, well, that's different. You know, they're not nearly as important. They're still important, but you're getting paid either way. And some of that is just, Yes, ratings are a factor, but it's not the only factor. Um, and secondly, this is worth mentioning as well. You know, people are so hung up on house shows with WWE and how oh house show attendance, live event attendance is down, blah blah blah. I think Tony's going to have a different approach because there are very valuable NFL properties that don't have sellouts every game. Uh, yes, it's it's important, but it's one line item, and you know you've got tons of other streams of revenue as an NFL owner. And I'm sure that Tony's got some outside of the box for wrestling experience that he can apply here and, and do real well for AW.
2: Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Yeah. It was cool seeing, uh, the whole AW Crow at a uh, Super Bowl in the uh, shadow of the see Turner building there. That's very interesting that that they'd all be there together like that. um, I, uh let's talk about the pool party. Let's wrap this up here. Uh, what, what can what people expect today? What do you think is going down at this pool party, Conrad?
1: Well, you know, if I was a guessing man, I would hope that there would be more information than just what the on-sale information is for tickets. But that's what everybody's been waiting for. How much are tickets? When are they on sale? Where can I get them? You'll have all that information for sure. But I would also imagine you might maybe see some new roster additions. I'm just guessing. Okay. Uh, and, and and to me, it makes sense if we're going to market a pay-per-view. We probably ought to learn about a match or two. So uh-huh. it would be pretty cool if we left the rally and knew a little bit of what the card looked like and maybe who else is going to be joining that card.
2: I dig it. All right. Well, hey, Conrad, I want to thank you for the time. I do want to apologize. I was uh, Tony Clifton's handler at StarCast, and I did a really – I did a bad job handling Tony, and I know he got kicked out of the Kaufman panel. Um, but you know, uh, I tried my best. He's a, he's a tough client, you know.
1: Well, all is forgiven, Nick. We appreciate you doing your best. I know it was uh, it's tough because whenever Clifton shows up, sometimes he's been drinking and he's yeah. been up all night and he's mm-hmm. just not in the best mood. Yeah. And and really, if you can't have fun at Starcast, something's wrong with you. So, uh, Clifton is banned this year. You know, officially, we're going to have pictures up at all the entrances and exits. You know, the guards' security is not going to let him onto Uh, the property. uh, 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 But everybody else is still welcome, though. And tickets go on sale next week at Starcast.com. At this time,
2: it is my pleasure to welcome back to the Winkley our good friend Jesse Collins. Jesse, welcome back to the Winkley. Thanks, Nick. Glad to be back. Yes, of course, we like to bring Jesse on every Thursday for a special Views from the Turnbuckle Audio Edition. Every Friday, Jesse drops a new editorial on the site talking about a different topic. And this past Friday, Jesse, you talked about easily, I think, the buzziest topic in all of pro wrestling. As you presented Views from the Turnbuckle, what happened to Dean Ambrose, and where is he going? So let's start with the first part here. What happened to Dean Ambrose?
3: Well, if you believe the reports that have come out on him, right, it's he's unhappy in WWE and he doesn't like the way he's been used. He, you know, quote, doesn't like hokey S-H-I-T, which he's probably in the wrong company and working for the wrong boss if he doesn't like that kind of stuff. Sure. And he doesn't like scripted promos. And WWE is a lot of hokey stuff and it's a lot of scripted promos. And he's, you know, he's made his money and he's not happy with the company anymore. So he's decided not to resign sign. And he's going to be gone, I believe, at the end of April.
2: Yeah, and that's what they said here. Now, his last uh, appearance that I can see on the books right now is April 7th, the day of WrestleMania, 8 a.m. I know he's booked for a VIP session at Access. So that's, that's kind of further down the line here. But, you know, you write about the Dean Ambrose uh, situation from a couple perspectives. The first two perspectives are, is this on the level? Is this a work or is this a shoot? Um. After having a couple days, I mean, it's been about a week since this broke. Where are you feeling this is right now, Jesse?
3: I feel like it. I'm. I, I, I my opinion hasn't changed that much. I'm leaning towards legitimacy on on this part. I think that if it was a work, I, I I just given what we know about WWE, I don't really trust WWE to be this subtle and this kind of clever with a storyline. And I think if they did end up being a work, it would be like they would go overboard and like it would be really obvious like on Raw Monday night that this was a work because they'd be talking about it or something like that. So just given what we know, I think I'm leaning towards definitely that this is true. That doesn't mean that he can't change his mind or he gets a better offer from WWE and he ends up resigning and this all ends up not really being a big story.
2: Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about what happened on Raw where he like did the sit down and everything. Do you think that was Ambrose just kind of? I mean, what do you? I mean, it's it, it's interesting because like I wanna I wanna believe that it's legitimate, but there also there's like details along the way here that make me feel like this couldn't have happened unless this was approved. You know what I mean? Or, like, it's
3: weird because it's hard to tell right now whether this is like like brilliant character work like Brian Pillman did in WCW, and mm. or it's just really wacky, crappy booking and creative. Yeah. And it's really hard to tell, like, which one is which in WWE. I think just they really haven't, like, they really haven't booked Dean that well since he came back from his injury. I think the whole turn and flop, uh, the whole turn and feud with Seth Rollins flopped. And that's kind of the turning point, I think, for as far as how we felt about Dean Ambrose, I think, that was a that was a real disappointment when he came back and he wrestled Seth Rollins and just week to week his character is so goofy and he's you know he's doing the Bane impersonation and he's like they did that whole like for like three weeks they spent uh, where Dean like refused to tell Seth why he turned on him and it was just all very awkward and it's kind of hard to believe it's a long con and that this is all just one big work. It just seems like that WWE really doesn't know how to book Dean Ambrose, so we're just getting <laughs> well, these wacky, off-the-ball stuff that happens every week. But
2: that's the thing. is Maybe WWE
3: doesn't know how to book
2: Dean Ambrose. They're in a position right now where they're bending over backwards, it seems, to keep talent. And if it's like, Dean, what's it going to take for you to stay? He's like, I want to do this crazy storyline where you all tell people I'm leaving, right? And then we go off the rails and I can be all Pillman-esque, like you just brought up here right now. I mean that's not out of the realm of possibility for me.
3: It is, but I really I, – like I said, I, I just – the evidence that we have for WWE booking, I really just can't trust them to book so many weeks in a row like consistently like that and stick to that that crazy storyline even if it's a really good idea by Ambrose. I guess I can't rule it out, but just by what evidence we have from WWE booking really being inconsistent on a week-to-week basis, let alone months-to-month uh, – Basis, it's I don't I just don't see it happening in WWE, but I could be wrong. And if he it isn't, it's a great job because it's it's you know it, w- it would have worked all of us.
2: Yeah, I I just it's it's so hard for me to believe that he would have gotten on camera with a live microphone to do his little bit, and get cut off by Nia, and just went into business for himself like that. To me, like the more I think about it, like there had to be something. They they were either trying something or I don't know. But it, it it's tough for me to believe that that situation was. Uh, Dean Ambrose just grabbed a microphone you know what I mean well, that's
3: that's kind of my whole point because it's hard to tell whether this is like oh this is all part of the big storyline of Dean Ambrose leaving or it's just they don't know how to write for Dean Ambrose and he just says weird stuff every week it's, it's like impossible to tell
2: uh, well you also talk about uh, you know where would Dean Ambrose go here what would be the best path for him now you say the obvious answer is AEW why do you think that AEW would obviously be the best place for Ambrose right now
3: I don't know if it would be the best place for him. You could argue that the best place for him is WWE. I just think that if you weren't going to go to WWE, it makes sense that AEW is is clearly willing to, to sign guys to big contracts. They're willing to uh, you know take risks with some talent, and I think they'd definitely be interested in signing a guy with the kind of exposure that Dean Ambrose has because let's face it, Dean Ambrose is probably like one of the five most recognizable full-time WWE wrestlers over the last several years. Like he's not Roman Reigns and he's not Seth Rollins. But I would say, you know, with the exception of those two guys, I don't know how many more male wrestlers on the main roster that wrestle all the time, you know, have more like as far as like public awareness. You know, are people more aware of Dean Ambrose than like Kevin Owens or Braun Strowman? I think – probably that's true because of the whole shield thing. I just think that so he's like a legitimate name for them and he's in the prime of his career. This isn't something like Jericho where as good as Jericho is, he's old and he's not going to have, you know, a, work a full-time schedule in in for for many many years, but Dean's in the prime of his career. He's been on WWE television for years. He's a former world champion, he's part of the shield. He's a like a pretty big name to be out there. It's been a long time since a name like this was was out there, I guess Kurt Angle or Jeff Hardy, I guess Jeff Hardy would be the last guy when he left uh, WWE for the second time. Yeah. And he showed up like on, the you know, when Hogan and, and, and Bischoff were kind of running TNA. All right. I think that would be this would be like as far as like that kind of a popular star being available uh, and in still in the prime of his career.
2: Yeah, they had that horrible, like, domed cage on that Impact episode, too. What was it, the escape chamber or something like that? Uh-huh. Yeah, that was
3: like that, that, um, the asylum yeah. kind of chamber in, like, The gimmick was that you had to get out, but, like, none of the guys could get out because it was, like, extremely impossible. And you had to be, like, ricochet to get out. Yeah. And I think it ended with a DQ because Homicide, like, just started whacking people with, like, a a stick or something like that. Which, like, why would you have a DQ in a match where it's just a bunch of guys in a giant, like, Thunderdome cage? Yeah. And then, like, then just Jeff Hardy was on top of it. That era of TNA was, was very... Very uh, convoluted, to say the least. (laughs) Yes.
2: Anyway, sorry. You brought up that episode. I was like, I'll never forget because that was a weird episode. That was
3: the first episode. That was the episode they challenged. You know, that was the first move to Monday night. That's right. That was when WWE countered by bringing back uh, Bret Hart. That was the biggest rating and viewership that TNA ever did. That was really like as far as from a popularity standpoint, the biggest, the peak TNA. It just, you know, unfortunately was also an indicator of that the show was never going to get any bigger because there's so much wacky stuff happened.
2: Yeah, the, the two or three week Monday night war that was TNA versus WWE really didn't last long. Um, and I, I, you know, that's a conversation for another day to, to look at that moment, I think would be interesting and what we can learn that worked and what did not work from the last time somebody tried to go heads up with WWE in, in this fashion with big names. Um, but you say with AEW, yeah, you, and you're also right. Maybe WWE, if you're saying what's the best place for him, if he's like going to make money and get exposure, that's great aw creative freedom but he seems to me like somebody that would also thrive in like a ring of honor or new japan which also kind of need a big show pony right now uh of their own because they are also losing talent you know what i mean
3: yeah you know dean is i think people when people think of new japan i think people might have like a like a really um narrow view on the guys that can be successful there you would think of guys that are really really good workers that can have success in new Japan. But I think a guy with Ambrose's kind of character and he could come into new Japan and be a different kind of a worker and a different kind of performer. And be be really successful. You have, um, like, Jericho came in, and Jericho wasn't there to... wasn't successful because he was having, like, amazing, like, technical, classic matches. He was there because his character was so strong, and that's what made him successful in New Japan. And I think Dean can do that. I think the really interesting thing about Dean is that if he's not going with WWE, he's not motivated by money, because WWE can offer more money than anyone else, and they'd be willing to spend more money than anyone else because they're worried about him going to another company. I think if Dean's leaving... It's because he feels frustrated creatively. And when you're frustrated creatively, you probably have a lot of ideas that aren't being used. So I think from just projecting from his perspective – he probably is thinking, I've got, if, if I were to get out of WWE, I could do this. And it might be a new character, a big feud with a name on The Independents or outside of WWE. And I'd be really interested in seeing that. We saw what kind of ideas that Cody had when he let, you know, he was, he's been very candid about, you know, he would pick when he was in WWE and he was Stardust. He would pitch character ideas to creative, and they'd be like, nah, nah, nah. like oh, "No, no, no!" Like, you know, we like you as Stardust, and he'd get really frustrated. And when he hit the independents, he had all these ideas for for all this stuff. And look how successful he's been.
2: Yeah, uh, and then of course the last uh, landing pad I could think of for Ambrose would be Impact. Which is, the only reason I say I, I take that seriously is you know Don Callis was apparently like, according to him or whatever, close to getting, or I think it was close. to The, Obser- the observer said this. Don Callis is close to getting Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho for impact before.
3: That's what that's what Don Callis said. I'm not saying he's wrong and maybe he did. He is obviously close with Kenny and Jericho. But the only person that I've ever heard say that is Don Callis. Oh, yeah, I was really close to signing these two marquee free agents. And, you know, I'll take I take that with a grain of salt.
2: Well, you know, if there had been no AEW, you know, where would all these talents that are looking to form a renegade promotion have gone? Impact, I could see for a moment there being uh, considered that.
3: But yeah, I mean, like I'm sure they had a conversation about it, but I don't know how close Kenny was like, <laughs> like, you know, going to sign to sign with Impact. But yeah, I mean, Dean, I mean, it, it's all about what he wants to do. And, and you know, if he doesn't care about money it's probably not going to matter that, you know, AEW could offer him more money than Impact if maybe if Impact was going to offer him a really prime position, which I think they would obviously do because he's such a, he, you know, he's a big star. Uh, he, could do, he could do really well because that might, you know, Impact could offer him the kind of creative opportunity that the other organizations might not be able to provide. And if that's what he's seeking, then sure, they're definitely a destination.
2: Yeah. Um, and I think there's also, I mean, there's also the... The turn here, you know, earlier on the show, before you came on, I had I actually was talking to Conrad Thompson. I briefly got his thoughts on what he thought was going on with Dean. And he said, you know, he just, you know, had heard, you know, not, not that he would talked to the guy, that the guy was just burned out. And, it, you know, I think there's, is there also a chance here that Dean kind of goes the CM Punk route and is just kind of like, look, I did this, I hurt, I've done my time, it is time for new people to take the mantle. I am out of pro wrestling. I'm going to go out into the desert and do peyote all day long.
3: Yeah, well, it's interesting because the real interesting part of this is – and maybe part of the reason a lot of people think it's a work is that WWE came out and they reached out to the wrestling media and said, yes, we can confirm this report that Dean is – you know, Dean is not resigning when his contract expires and we wish him the best in his future endeavors. And that was really interesting because – i can't recall wwe ever really doing anything like that i think well, they, they did, did it with... they
2: didn't even say future endeavors they didn't use oh the... did they
3: not say that no it's weird it's a weirdly words well, yeah, yeah it's weird that they confirmed that it that it happened because knowing vince like thinking about vince's personality like i would think that vince believes that he can resign dean ambrose he just has to you know just, just a few things more have to happen. He has to make a better offer. Dean, ha- he can get Dean to change his mind. Like I think Vince has that kind of fighter mentality that I can get him to do this if, if we just, if we work hard enough at it. So it's kind of weird for them to just be like, oh yeah, we're not, you know, we're giving up. We can't resign him. He's going to be free. That and maybe they do that with maybe he's told them, look guys, I'm burnt out and I'm not going to wrestle. And uh, maybe he, you know, he just came back from a pretty significant injury. It wasn't like a, like a broken neck or anything. I think we tear his biceps or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, so he had to work himself back, you know, and he's, you know, he's wrestled for a long time. He's taken some unreal punishment, especially particularly before he got to WWE. Maybe he is just banged up and maybe he's just like, I don't want to wrestle anymore. I've got my money. I live a simple lifestyle. I have a beautiful wife at home. Like, I don't really need any of this and I don't need to, you know, I don't need to to, to be to take all these bumps anymore. So, uh, yeah, maybe he is just done. And yeah. if that if that's true, you know, power, more power to him. He got his money and he got out.
2: Uh, all right. Well, we'll put a bit. We'll put a pin in that for right now. Uh, Jesse, what are you working on for tomorrow's views from the Turnbuckle?
3: I think I'm gonna look at Ronda Rousey and just kind of see how what what's gonna go be going on with her between now and WrestleMania. I think it's pretty obvious she should be a heel in this feud with Becky Lynch. We'll see how that works. How you know if she cares about if she wants to be a heel if she's doesn't like fans booing her if wwe really is needs her to be a heel just kind of looking at you know ronda's next few months here which might be her last as like a full-time star in wwe all
2: right and jesse where do you want to send people online to find you uh on twitter
3: yep my twitter is at jesse collings that's j-e-s-s-e-c-o-l-l-i-n-g-s
2: Thank you very much, Jesse. Enjoyed that talk about Dean Ambrose, and thank you, Conrad, for coming on and diving in deep about all your ties to AEW and uh, your plans for Starcast Two. I know you haven't heard the Conrad interview yet, but I bring up: Are you going to book the Undertaker? And he got real flustered.
3: <laughs> <Well>.
2: <laughs> I don't think he expected well. me to bluntly ask him that. He, he, you know, I, I, you know, hypothetically, if the Undertaker showed up at Starcast Two, that'd be pretty interesting, right?
0: With the Undertaker shows up and has a stare down with Sting.
2: Now, <laughs> you should listen to the interview. Maybe we'll talk about this next week. But I get into it because I was fascinated by how do all these WWE guys get to do StarCast but not AEW? And Conrad's like, look, I own StarCast. StarCast is a completely different entity that has nothing to do with AEW. We just run events side by side with AEW. This man, he, he's, he shouldn't be in real estate. He should be in law. That, oh what, yeah
0: you no. Know, you know what i you know him and him and bruce came here to <laughs> pittsburgh last summer and i was um happy and fortunate they, happy they asked me to uh help them book, you know help them put the show together the venue and everything and i i got to host the event um their live event and and, and so obviously i had to deal with conrad behind the scenes and i mean he 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 ain't no dummy he he's got his he's got his act together and um you know he's he's got he's got his hand in some big things so no. he's yeah he, i agree. He, He's still doing the real estate, but he does not have to. He could, he could, he could uh, succeed in several other things uh, in addition to what he's doing currently. Wrestling.
2: Yeah. Uh, although I think you make a lot of money every time you sell a house, so I don't know. Maybe I should, Maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm not sure. Um. Uh. As a reminder, thank you for listening. If you are listening to this on Thursday tonight, the AEW Pool Party ticket launch, uh, party, whatever they're calling it, party party in Las Vegas at the MGM is going down. Joey G will be there. He'll be there about an hour beforehand putting up photos, doing some live casting uh, on Twitter, on Facebook. Please go check it out. Any news that breaks from that, we will have up immediately over on WrestlingInc.com. And, of course, I want to continue to plug it. Uh, We are not too far away here from the Elimination Chamber. And if you're going to be in Houston for the Chamber, our good friends over at the Wrestling Inc. Two-Face podcast, Kelsey and Paul, are hosting a pre-WWE Elimination Chamber meetup at the St. Arnold's Brewery. I'm a Houstonian. I love St. Arnold's beer. I'm so excited to get to promote this. The the doors open at 230. The event starts at 230. They're gonna do a live podcast at three as we games, prizes, and beer. So go on out. I believe this is a completely free event to attend. Um go have a good time. Enjoy uh Elimination Chamber weekend in Houston. Justin, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show?
0: Well, there's Elimination Chamber weekend, but there's also WrestleMania weekend. And again, it's hard sometimes to get really good NXT takeover tickets. It's hard to get good tickets for the Raw after Mania. Hall of Fame is a great event. Uh, And so, again, if you want to have a dead center view of the ring, but you don't want to have to worry about getting up and down, having every jabroni, just trying to go to the bathroom, trying to put a sign in front of you, come sit with me in the suites. You got couches. You have actual arena seats, but you have couches. You have a bar. You have you know bathrooms, you have TVs, you, no lines, your own private entrance into the Barclays Center. You don't have to wait in line like everybody else. NXT takeover, Hall of Fame, and Raw after WrestleMania. Go to Ticket King online, TicketKingOnline.com. Just search for those different events, and there's only one suite for each of those events. That's the suite that we're in, um, and you come join with me. It's it's really a, it's a really a, a great way to experience those big events on WrestleMania week.
2: Yes, come party with Justin and I in the suite. <laughs> For real, though, if my press credentials don't go through, I might be banging your door down for those sweet tickets, Justin. All righty. I'll I'll probably be sitting up in the rafters in the press booth or whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I've really enjoyed. We've been seeing a a spike in the numbers here on the show. We've been getting some really great guests. Again, I want to thank Tom and Jeff Jarrett for coming on this week. You're all great. Subscribe to Wrestling Inc. Audio over on iTunes. Tell a friend. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.